0: This week's parasha is Parashas Matos Masay. At the very end of Parashas Matos, there's an interesting pasuk. The pasuk says about a man from Menashe, a conqueror, a very strong warrior. The Noivach Halach, Noivach was his name, he went, and he captured the city of Kenos, and the villages surrounding Kenos, all the environs of Kenos, Vayikra La Naivach Bishmai, And he called the city of Kenos, he renamed it Naivach Bishmai after him. So basically he renamed the city, he rebranded the city, And he named it after himself, and that was Naivach. Now, if you would be a baldictuk, you would notice that the word law, Bayikra law, is without a mapik hay. There is no dot in the hay. Putting a dot in the hay implies, or would have implied, a certain sense of permanence. But because that there is no dot in the hay, that sort of sets off alarms by the Balai dictok, And they say, why shouldn't there be a mapakeh? It should say, Vayikra La, bishmai, that they called her, meaning the name of the city was permanently named Naivah after the conqueror, Noivach. So Rashi actually points this out. And Rashi says, La, that word, La, la Vayikra La, Ain't I mappik There is no mappik hay there. V'ra isi bi'saiday shorav Moshe hadarshan, and I saw in the foundations that were set forth by Rav Moshe hadarshan lefishe leyniskayim la'shemze leficha Hi rafa. The reason that it was called, it says it law without a mappik hay, is because. This name that he called it, which was Naivach, it didn't last. There was no Kiyom to that name. So because there was no Kiyom, because this was not an eternal monument to himself, as he had hoped it would be, so it was called La, Vayikra La, Naivach Bishma. It wasn't La, which would imply a permanence. But it's love. Ayeqra Allah, it was a weakening. It was a weakened form of calling the name because it wasn't really something that had a long-term kiyam. The question is, why is this so important for the Torah to tell us this detail? This lamed hey without the mappik in it. It seems like it's something obviously of great importance that Rashi points it out. And that the Torah thereby is going out of its way to tell us that some long-lost city in an ancient uh, Middle East that was called Naivach at one point, after it was called Kenos, it it, it wasn't a permanent name. Like, does that really affect our morning this morning? Does anyone really care about the fact that Kenos is not, uh, that that Naivach was no longer called Naivach after a certain period of time, that the name didn't stick? does that have any ramifications for us permanently? Well, obviously it does because if the Torah is saying it, then clearly there was something that uh, the Torah wants us to to know. So if Shamsha Fal al Says the following beautiful Yisayd. And he tells us that there's a great Musar Haskell at play over here. This is not a simple matter. This is a great Musar Haskell, and I think it's very Nageya to us in the times that we're living in. Very often the parish speaks to us if you look carefully, and there is a tremendous Musar Haskell going on uh, from this Pasuk to our current lives today. Rev Hirsch says as follows: Derech Umay It's the way of the great people of the, of the nations of the world, Lahansiach Eshmaisehem Ayidei Matseves to eternalize or at least to attempt to immortalize their names through calling monuments after themselves, through calling structures, edifices, different cities, different states, different airports, bridges, tunnels. That's the way that people want to be remembered, correct? You go over any, any tunnel, there's the Lincoln Tunnel, named after Abraham Lincoln. There's the Kosciuszko Bridge, whoever that might be. There's the Van Wyck Expressway, and then there's Ben-Gurion Airport. And then there's Leningrad and Stalingrad and Washington, D.C. and Washington State. And the list goes on and on. Every, that's the normal way in the, in, in the world that great people, great leaders, they long for being immortalized by building themselves monuments, highways, structures, or by having other people do it, or by hoping that after they die, other people will do that for them because they see a, a certain permanence in, in this, and they feel that if these great monuments and these great pillars of society, of, of their country, is able to have a certain uh, name which is named after them, that will give them a legacy. That will make sure that in a hundred years from now, in a thousand years from now perhaps, people will still remember who they are. But says Rev Hirsch, This is not the Jewish way. This is not what us Jews believe in. What do we believe in? We know as days pass, as decades pass, as centuries pass, what happens to these structures? The wood begins to. to to become all um, warped, the wood becomes uh, moldy, the wood has to be taken away, be torn down. Statues erode after centuries or, or, or even decades of wear and tear, of wind, of uh, of other types of things going on. The kinyane ruach shame shemayram. You know what the only thing permanent is? A Jew believes that these types of structures, impressive though they may be, they're not permanent. There's nothing permanent to them. What a Jew understands has nitzrius value. If you're looking to create a legacy for yourself, if you're looking to somehow emboss the world with your memory, with the fact that you are here, and who doesn't want that? Nobody wants to just pass through the world without having any you know, recollection in the world that you ever existed. Everybody wants to to make their permanent mark on the world. But the marks that we should be looking to make is not that we should have our name emblazoned on on a hospital or on a or on, on a bridge or on a tunnel or on a or on some monument somewhere. What a Jew understands is the most permanent and important marker in order to to stay Um, to stay immortalized is only ruchniyastik of things. Physical structures come and go. Ruchniyast, things that are spiritual, spiritual things are here forever. So if I learn, if we're all learning right now, Baruch Hashem together, that's something that will maintain itself in a million years from now. The fact that we're learning today right this minute, has far-reaching effects, not just for a decade, not just for a century, not just for a thousand years, but for trillions of years henceforth, the fact that right now we're doing something ruchnius is very powerful. The same thing is true when we daven. The same thing is true when we give tzedakah, when we do chesed, when we help one another, when we're our parents, when we are... when we Anything that we do of a spiritual nature... That's that's something that retains itself forever and ever. In perpetuity, spiritual monuments that we create for ourselves are here forever. The physical structures that are very impressive to the, to the fleshy eye. We're living in this world. We understand we're impressed by powerful people. We're impressed by, by monuments, by statues, by, by, by when somebody has a street named after them a highway named after them. We understand that that seems chashev. We're impressed. Can't deny that. But Rav Hirsch is reminding us that there's really not too much to be impressed by because these things come and go. It seems like permanent. Wow, in a hundred years from now, everybody's still going to know the Van Wick Expressway, uh, who Van Wick was. I don't even know who he is today. But I assume he's like probably a governor of New York or something, a mayor of New York. But... This guy's going to be permanently ensconced in 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 history because he has a major thoroughfare named after him, Jackie Robinson. These are people that we were impressed by. Wow, they they got a uh, highways named after them. Begin in in uh, in Eretz there's Begin, and then there's uh, there's even you know this, there there's so many highways and streets that are named after important people, and we we look at that as something important. 1st says, don't get impressed by those things because those things are very, very temporary by nature. The only thing that we should be impressed by is people that focus on spiritual matters, being Marbet's Torah, by bringing Kedusha into the world, davening, getting closer to rabbanishon being Makar of other people. Those are real monuments that a person is creating for himself. L'netzach And he ends, and he ends Kara Shem He named that city his name. He named the city that was formerly known as Knoss He made a big ceremony. He christened the city, or whatever you call it, after the name Neivach. And everybody's, wow, that's a great accomplishment, Neivach. You have a name. You have a city named after you. I mean, people are going to write on their envelopes forever. You know, Neivach. Uh, and then the zip code. It's, it's an incredible thing. Naivach is like, now, people were probably very jealous of him. He has a uh, you know, city named after him, post offices with his name on it, and uh, uh, public school buildings with his name on it, and, and, and who knows what else. Very impressive, Naivach. But don't be impressed. Ki He thought that he was going to immortalize himself by this naming, the my and the Torah in this week's parsha is informing us, That name it didn't didn't work out for him too well. He thought it was going to give him a permanence in this world, but nobody knows that that city is no longer called Naivach. It was a temporary thing, and then the name was changed to something else. We don't even know what the name is today. Maybe, but it's not Naivach. That much we know. And so the Torah is going out of its way and telling us a very, very important yaseid. And we learn it from a single dot, from a mapeke. It's amazing. It's not even a kutza shoyut. It's a mapeke. And it's not even a mapeke. It's the absence of a mapeke. It's the absence of that dot in there. And, and we have a whole shmooze from the absence of a dot in a hay. Amazing. What's the shmooze? The shmooze is. That HaKadosh Baruch by writing in the Torah, the word La, with a is telling us a lifelong lesson. Do not be impressed by all of the glitter and all the glamour and all of the, the impressionable events that are taking place around us in this world because it's all temporary. It doesn't last. It's all not worth anything. One word of Tyra that we're learning this morning is more valuable than all the bridges and all the tunnels and all the statues and all the monuments put together. One word of Tyra. One syllable of Tyra. One mapik of Tyra. Everything else, transient. Flimsy. Impermanent. Spirituality, ruchnias that's That is forever. That's forever. Over the course of not ancient history, but over the course of the last few decades, and I I witnessed it myself, I know a lot of you were not born yet, or all of you were not born yet, Um, but throughout the last 30 years, there has been sweeping changes in this world. The collapse of the Soviet Union. The collapse of the Soviet Union. What happened? For 70 years, the Malchus Harishah, the evil empire, which was the Soviet Union, started by a Yid by the name of Lenin, who brought communism into the world. And then... Stalin took over, and uh, you know, and other very, very ruthless dictators killing millions of their own people, going after religion, not allowing Klael Yisrael to worship the rabbi Shalom. They had to do it all very hiddenly, refuseniks. And people thought that the Soviet Union would last forever and ever. It was the superpowers, USA and the Soviet Union, in everything, in the nuclear buildups, in the Olympics, in in in, in everything. It was basically the world dominance it was USA representing the West and the Soviet Union representing the East. Two different hashkafas, capitalism versus communism. They did not like each other what, whatsoever, but people thought this was going to be A uh, two superpowers that would exist forever. The Soviet Union was Russia, and then all of the satellite nations around it, like Ukraine, uh, Czechoslovakia. uh, You know, all of these uh, Poland, all these countries. They used to be all part of the Soviet bloc. Very, very powerful. One day, a man by the name of Gorbachev became uh, the head of Russia, and for some reason, nobody knows exactly why but Lev Sarum Umlochem B'yad Hashem, HaKadosh Baruch Hu puts things in leaders' hearts, and Baruch Hu sort of uses leaders as chess pieces, as pawns on his chessboard, and he basically put in, put this thing in his head that he wants to concede. He thinks that communism was a failed experiment. He wants to open up society in Russia, it was called perestroika. He wants to basically... Do away with all of the hashkafas of Lenin and and Stalin. All this this very powerful image of 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 communist Russia, which was a superpower. Lahadam, we're not doing it anymore. People started chiseling away at the Berlin Wall, which separated East Berlin and West Berlin. And what happened was overnight, people all of those those, those Soviet bloc states countries, they basically started peeling away, they all declared independence. And Gorbachev sort of allowed, it. it was fine, because he's Michael, he didn't, he wanted to sort of, you know, undo this whole mess, which was the Soviet Union. And you could look it up, all the statues of Lenin, Lenin's statue was came out probably in every city throughout the entire vast Soviet Union. He was like the god of, of, of Russia. There was no god. God was not allowed to be worshipped, so they had human gods. Suddenly, as soon as this Soviet Union collapsed, like overnight, it was a bloodless uh, revolution. There wasn't a single shot fired, no nuclear weapons, Baruch Hashem had to happen in order to undo the Soviet Union. They just basically said, okay, we, we surrender to, who? to ourselves. We, don't, we, don't, no, you know, we just don't want to do it anymore. All of those statues of Lenin, all of those statues of Lenin had nooses around their necks and they were torn down by hordes of people and then like carried away to some junkyard somewhere. They have pictures of the junkyard of all Lenin statues. His head was off, his body was somewhere else, decapitated. He was basically nothing. Cities that were named after him, Leningrad and Stalingrad, all these—they were all renamed, going back to what they used to be. In other words, like Neivach, who thought that he would have permanence by physical cities being named after him, by monuments. They just uh, Lenin, Stalin. No one in a a couple hundred years ago will know about them through history books, maybe, but. They're not going to be prominent people because even though they had their 70 years in the sun, but that was it. They were torn down. Now they're 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 looked at as poorly in the eyes of the world, and in, in, in historians' eyes. And then more recently, Saddam Hussein, when the United States attacked Iraq and moved in there. The people hated, these were despots, we, you know, it looked like, but while he was in power, everybody was, because they had to, otherwise they'd get killed. But after, he, after the U.S. came in, they started pulling down all those statues of, 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 of uh, Saddam Hussein in Iraq. And then more recently, in, in recent times, over the last few weeks, we see the same thing happening in our country. We think, all right, that's good in these crazy countries you know, in Iraq and Soviet the Union. These are very, very fragile uh situations. These are regimes and people don't like them, they're not happy. You know, Kim Jong un in you know in, in, in North Korea, you know, these are people that as soon as they go down everybody's gonna be happy. But in America, America is a free democracy. Everything is good here. So here, if I have something named after me, if I have a statue named after me, if I'm a, a founding father, if my face is on Mount Rushmore, that's it, you're ensconced forever. But now we see that that's not true either. Because there's a movement afoot that every single person that owned a slave, every single person that is somewhat, you know, sus- suspect of of doing something, you know, for the Confederacy, which, you know, sort of we're slave owners. Everything has to go. You can't fly a Confederate flag. You have to take down the Jefferson Memorial. You have to take away some of the Lincoln Memorials because there is some some questionable... I'm not weighing in here about the propriety of having slaves. I think, you know, we can all agree that it's not a good thing to have slaves. But... My point here is that nothing is permanent. Even a good guy like Thomas Jefferson, brilliant founding father, who did so much for this country, and one day, he's, if we find out something wrong about George Washington, everything could be changed. No more Washington, D.C. It could be Goldberg, D.C. next next week. We don't know what's going to be, but everything could change. Everything could change. Just like Neivach thought that his name would be forever and he was wrong, and the tyrant tells us that he was wrong, we see in our own lifetime right now in, in this day and age, today, how everything that you thought was so permanent when you went on your class trip to Washington DC in eighth grade and you saw the Lincoln Memorial, the the, the, the Jefferson Memorial, beautiful monuments of a desire even to democracy, to USA, to to power, to this country's foundations, it, it all comes and goes overnight. What looks permanent today tomorrow is gone when I graduated from uh, from from Turo um, it was also going back quite a while the graduation took place in Lincoln Center and the hall was it was always named after the hall was called Avery Fisher Hall Avery Fisher Hall. Who is Avery Fisher? Avery Fisher was a financier. He lived, uh, um, you know, I think he died, or he died, I know he died. He gave, I think in 1973, he donated to have this hall, this Cheshava Hall in the upper west side of Manhattan, he had it named after him from 1973 on. He bought permanent rights to it. And he paid at the time $10 million. Ten million dollars today seems very cheap for that. You can't really buy a house in, uh, you know, in, in Borough Park for that anymore. But at the, today, ten million dollars would in, in seventy three. Ten million dollars in seventy three today is about sixty million dollars. So that's already, you know, that's already back, Lawrence. Okay, so that's getting more chashev. What happened was. A couple years ago, Lincoln Center wanted to renovate because it's an old building, 1973. It's like, you know, they have to fix it up a little bit, put new bathrooms in, you know, put a, make a nice uh, new hall, and it, it's going to cost a lot of money. Now, it's very hard to raise real money unless you, have, uh, unless you give people the naming rights. So you know what they did? They decided they're going to change the name from Avery Fisher Hall to anything that the top bidder will be willing to give, we'll name it after you. A fellow by the name of David Geffen, who is a Yid, who's a billionaire, is very, very big in the music business, Um, he said, listen, he's not married, he he lives a different lifestyle, he has no children, he wants some permanence in this world. So he says, Listen, I'll give you $100 million, and from now on, it's going to be named the David Geffen Hall. Now, what happened was it created a little bit of an uproar, as you can imagine, because Avery Fisher had Yarsham, he had a family, he had children, and the children, like, you know, see, I guess, like, on, uh, you know, in the newspaper that Avery Fisher Hall is now renamed. David Geffen Hall said, wait a minute, they put in a call to the executive director, I guess, of Lincoln Center, and they say, hey, Rabbi Rabbi Yid, like, what's going on over here? Like, how are you, that's our Tati's monument. He gave $10 million in 1973 to have it named Avery Fisher Hall. What are you doing? Uh, You just, is that fair? So somebody had a Yiddish cup in Lincoln Center, and they said, you know what, you're 100% right. Take fifteen million dollars and just go away. Take fifteen million dollars, they got a hundred million, so now they'll be left with eighty five million, it's not the end of the world either. Take fifteen million dollars and you know, so everybody's happy. Avery Fisher's kids are very happy. They couldn't care less that their father's name is off the building. we got fifteen million bucks. David Geffen is happy because now it's named after him for hundred million dollars, a good 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 buy. But the funny thing is to me about this, this whole story is that David Geffen honestly believes that for some reason he's going to be better going forward than Avery Fisher. He thinks that ah, Avery Fisher, so he, you know, so he had bad mazel. He had bad mazel. But me, you know, Baruch Hashem, I got $100 million, my, it's mine. No, you tippish. In, a, in 10 years from now, in 20 years from now, Lincoln Center is going to have to do another renovation, a billion-dollar renovation. And now they're going to call a guy by the name of Jeff Bezos. Hey, you want to call it the Amazon, uh, Amazon uh, Hall? Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. And you know what? David Geffen doesn't even have kids to be paid off. So he's really ripe for the picking, after he dies, I mean, I don't even think they're going to wait for the shiva to be over. They're going to already go out for the naming renaming rites. That's the way this world is. It's such a joke. It's such a joke. We think that something that's permanent is ours forever and ever. Something that's, that's physical. These monuments, these structures, these namings. Nothing. It's all nothing. And all of this that Torah is telling us in this week's power show, Amazing. With, because of the absence of a mapeke in the word law, Hirsch points out, it, it makes all, the, it's the greatest muster The absence of a mapeke. The absence of permanence. The mapeke says, law, it's yours. But the Torah doesn't say, you'll pay attention tomorrow in the Kriya Satayra. It just is very, very, like it, it whimpers the law. It's law. It's law. There's no permanence to it, there's nothing there. You're naming a city after yourself. You think that's going to give you permanence? That's going to make you immortal? It's not. The only thing that's going to give you immortality is spiritual pursuits. Is doing things that the Rebbeinah wants us to do as mitzvah to do. Those are things, every little thing that we do right gives us permanence. There's a chazal in, in Maseche Shqalim, that says, Ein eisen We don't believe in making monuments for tzaddikim. Nafash is a soul, but it really means a monument also. We don't make monuments for tzaddikim. We don't believe in, you know, there's no such thing as a Misha Feinstein Museum, or, uh, you know, uh, Rav Aaron Cutler statue, or, uh, we don't believe in that. We don't make monuments for tzaddikim. Why? Because the the monuments that they have is their memory. We're talking about Rav Misha Feinstein today. That's his, He's immortal. I never heard anyone say Rav Misha held. You know that that's mutter. I always hear people say Rav Misha holds that this is mutter. Rav Misha feels that that's okay. Rav Misha says. You as Rav Misha said. Rav Misha says because he's very much alive the memories that we have of tzaddikim are the greatest permanence. Abaye says, Rava says, the Rambam holds. The tzayis tainas. It's all in in, Lashon Haive. That's permanence. That's permanent. You ever heard everyone say, so George Washington says that uh, I will not cut down the cherry tree. You know, No. No one says that. Everyone says when it comes to non Sadiqim, it's all past tense. See, they're gone. If, they're in, if we're even talking about them anymore, it's always in the past tense. The memories of Sadiqim are always current. They're alive. They're alive today, maybe even more than they were when they were alive then. That's permanence. That's living eternally. That's touching immortality. Famous story about the Shirov who was traveling in Rome on some fundraising I don't know who exactly you could fundraise from in Rome. Apparently, there were some wealthy Jews there, and he was collecting money for his Yeshiva, for Panevich and for all of his institutions. And the Shirov asks the driver of the taxi as they're passing the, the arc of the arch of Titus the Arch of Titus, as they call it. He says, Would you mind stopping the car, pulling over? I, I just want to get out of the car and uh and, and, and see the uh see the Arch of Titus. This is a permanent arch. This is the famous arch in the heart of Rome where the parade, that famous infamous parade, where they took all the the captives of uh of the Khorben bias and all the Calm of the, of the Beis HaMikdash, and there is a famous um the famous uh, relief on the side of this Arch of Titus uh, that has all of the Menorah and the, and the and the 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 and, and all the the scene depicted of and all the the, the captive Jews that were being uh, hauled into Rome for who knows what purpose. And this is called the Arch of Titus because Titus was the was the conqueror of Yerushalayim, so they named this after him, his brother actually had this built, this structure, and it's not a permanent structure, it's been, it's been around for a long time. Thousands of years. So, Leponavichirov gets out of the car, and he's together with uh, a Mr. Rothschild who was, uh, who was there with him, collecting money, helping him out, and he gets out, he straightens his tie and his frock, he... You know, he makes himself nice and clean. He straightens his hat, and he goes straight for this arch. and And Mister Rothschild had no idea, you know, what he was doing. What's the point of a And of want and All of a sudden, he's a tourist. He's going sightseeing in Rome. Like that's what what he has to do now. He starts talking to to Titus. Titus Arasha, who destroyed the base on Mikdash, and he said to, as if to Titus himself, but he was like screaming, he says, Titus, Titus, I am here to talk to you. Thousands of years ago, you destroyed the Beis HaMikdash, but today nobody knows who you are. You're dead, you're in, there's no such thing as, as Rome, as an empire, your empire collapsed many, many years ago, very few people know who Titus is, who Titus is if anyone, today. I am coming here from my yeshiva in Bnei Brak, called Panovich. And in my yeshiva today, we have hundreds of boys sitting and learning Torah, a Torah. They're learning Abaye, they're learning Rava, they're learning Ravikiva, they're learning of We are still so much alive and you are no longer. We will be here forever, and you not. And with that, he went back into the car and sped off. But that's really the personification of this shmuz. This is what we're talking about. Yeah, Titus has some statue erected. Who cares? There's no permanence to that. It doesn't make him alive in any way. His legacy is long dead, if there was a legacy at all. But Klaus Yisrael is Chayvachayim through the spiritual legacy that we are continuing. Dar Acher Dar. And a person has to be impressed by spiritual pursuits, spiritual edifices, and not so much or not at all by the physicality that surrounds us. Yeah, we pass by buildings and bridges and tunnels and statues. We say, wow, this guy hasn't me. He's got a legacy got a got a battleship named after him we're going to name a you know a spaceship after him we're going to we're going to make a big monument on the mall in Washington DC we're going to make a museum no one cares that's not permanence that it seems permanent today but it's here today gone tomorrow tomorrow somebody else will outbid him and you know or they'll become financially insolvent and now is bayaka malakhadesh what we have to do is we have to make sure that we realize the importance of our spiritual buildings and not of the physical buildings. I'll tell you an amazing medrash, and I've said this before, but it's one of my favorite medrashim with a... and I have a a knetch on it. There's a medrash that says as follows. Once upon a time, Rabbi Akiva bumped into Rabbi Tarfin in the Shuk, in the marketplace of where they lived. Rabbi Tarfin was Teirogudu Mokhamecha. Rabbi Tarfin was a Tana, and a great Tana at that. And they were all great, but he was like, you know, really famous, Rabbi Tarfin. And he was also probably one of the wealthiest men of his generation, extreme, extreme wealth, and extreme Chachmas hatayra. So he had it all, pretty much. Rabbi Akiva bumps into Abtarfin in the shook. So imagine they're standing on the equivalent of uh, Madison and 57th Street, which is, that's like the Spitz ep- epicenter of, of New York City. That's where all the fancy stores are and uh, all the all the beautiful people are walking there. And he says to Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva says to Abtarfin, Abtarfin, would you want to invest in a great real estate deal? If a great real estate deal, like tremendous package, a portfolio of buildings. I could get it very cheap. Would you want to invest in this? In this tremendous real estate portfolio? Tiavra says, yeah, you know, I love real estate. I, I like to uh, I like to hop up as much as possible. How much is the investment? He says, it's $10 million. Eh, it's not bad. You know, real estate is generally a little bit more than that. Sounds reasonable. Fine. We're... we're Anyway, he says, don't ask me too many questions. Why are the $10 million into my account? And, uh, and I'll work out all the... All, all okay, you could, you could trust Herb So, Tarifa and Taka gives them $10 million. And then, you know, they haven't seen each other in a while. And then, a couple of weeks later, they're, you know, they're work- walking again, 57th and, and Madison, and they bump into each other again, Herb and Herb so, Rabbi Akiva, how are you? He says, Baruch Hashem, how are you? Yeah, good, how's the family? Uh, by the way, Rabbi Akiva, remember uh, a while back you asked me to invest in your real estate? He says, yeah. He says, well, I gave you the money and I, I never got any update about how the portfolio is doing. Are we, are we in the red? Are we in the black? Are we, are, we, are we good? Are we up? Are we down? Like sideways? What, what's going on? So, Rebbe Kiva got a little pale on the face. He says, Rabbi I want to take you with me into a base Medrash. Come, let's go. He says, listen, Rebbe Kiva, I don't have time right now to learn and to die. I, I have, I have, I'm busy. I have to do things. He says, please, just come with me to the base Medrash. They come into the base Medrash together. Rebbe Kiva takes off the shelf a sefer called Sefer Tehillim. He opens up the Tehillim to a Pasuk. The Pasuk says, Pizer Nasan Lev If you scatter liberally money to the impoverished, to the really poor, and Evian is like much poorer than an Ani. If you do that, if you scatter your money liberally, sit kasai Laad Your righteousness will remain for you in perpetuity. Ruby Kiva looks at Reptarfin in the eye and says, Reptarfin, I want you to know something. I told you that you were going to invest that money in buildings. And I wasn't really lying, but I wasn't putting it into physical buildings. Physical buildings are very temporary. I was putting it into permanent buildings, much more valuable than, than physical buildings because it's of the spiritual sort. You see, I gave all of that $10 million out to Anim. And that's what I did with your money. Now, I don't know what you would do if you were a Tarifin at that point. I think you probably would probably do what I do and that I would not be very happy with a Kiva. But the Medrash says that Amit Reb or Reb got up and Noshka Yal He kissed Rabbi Akiva on the forehead and he said, You did good. You did good. It was a good investment. One of the most beautiful medrashim ever. The one problem that I had with the medrash, well, obviously there's other problems with the Medrash, and the Chavetz Chaim deals with, you know, the Chesha Mishpa problems with the Medrash, because that ain't what Rabbi Tarfin thought he was getting himself into, and the Chavetz Chaim deals with that, that's not, that unfortunately is not my biggest problem with the Medrash. My problem with the Medrash was, why did Rabbi Akiva have to schlep Rabbi Tarfin into the base Medrash? They were standing in Midtown whatever, Spitz, why do you have to schlepper up tar to me? Tell him on the street, I gave it to Tzadako. Is that a good question? And I think the answer is very Pashat. When you're standing on 57th and Madison... And you're looking at all of the shiny buildings all around you. Trump Tower here and Trump Palace there and Trump uh, World there. And, 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 and all of the, the, the Teslas and the limousines and the Ferraris and Lamborghinis are whizzing by. And then you're looking at showrooms of Gucci and, uh, and Harry Winston and Tiffany and all these schmitz companies. All around you, they're on that prime block. It won't go in your ear this schap of Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva is saying, "I took that ten million dollars, and it's not in buildings here. It's in it's it's for It's in a kailal. It's in uh it, it, it's it's a, I built some mitvai's. You did what with my money? I don't think that the probability of Reb Tarfon kissing Rabbi Akiva on the forehead would be that high." in the middle of midtown Manhattan. I think it's more likely that he might have reacted the way we would naturally react, even in a base medrash. But when you're in a base medrash, and that's where Rabbi Akiva took him into that holy space, that you don't see buildings, and you don't see monuments, and you don't see the the, the magnetic lure of all things that seem to be glittering in this world, all you see is benches, shtenders, aranakaydash, svarim shelves. In that environment, the trueness of Rabbi Akiva's investment could be understood. Rabbi Tarfin understood then very well and good that. He's right. What do I need those buildings? Those buildings aren't gonna once I die, that's it. Those buildings are gonna to go to who knows, maybe the government is gonna take over those buildings, maybe maybe the next, you know, maybe tomorrow the, the whole another, you know, the Romans are gonna attack and take all the all the buildings, but that's not permanent. This is permanent. Tyra is permanent, Tzedakah is permanent, Chesed is permanent, Ruchnius is permanent. These are things that are going to be tzedkasa and medes There's no greater investment than that. There's no greater investment. But that's something that you need to have the ears to hear. Because if you tell it to people and they're not in the right mood or they're not in the frame of mind, or they're not in the right place to hear it, they're going to snicker at this vart. They're not going to like the noivach vart. They're not going to like the Rabbi Akiva Vart. They're going to get angry with Rabbi Akiva. How could he do that and ask all types of questions? But in a base Medrash, in a Makam Taira, hopefully there we'll have a little bit of a better grasp of what's immortal and what's eternal and what's true in this world. And only there could Rabbi Akiva really express to Rabbi Tarifin what he did with the money. Not in the middle of the shook. When we are very exposed to the shook, then we get very impressed by things that we shouldn't be so impressed by. We get impressed by movie stars, by billionaires, by people that are uh, very successful in their fields of medicine and law and, 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 and finance. We get impressed by people that dress fancy, that drive a spitz car. These are things that are very impressive to us. You know why? Because we're out in the Shuk too long. When we're finding ourselves in the Beis Medrash, in a Makam Taira, you think people in Panovich, you think people in Chevron, you think people in, in Kaltira, you think people in Brisk could care less what you're driving You think they could care less what kind of house you have? What kind of kitchen you put in? They don't care about those things because they're not important. They're not important. People that are immersed in ruchnias, they don't care about gashmias so much. They need it. Obviously, we all need to live. But it's not something that they're talking about. Wow, you saw the car that that guy's driving crazy. Spitz car. I wish I could... How did he do that? How did he afford it? Well, I heard he made partner in his law... People that are, that are immersed in ruchness, they couldn't care less. Couldn't care less. There's a famous story of somebody that came to Rav Steinemann and said to Rav Steinemann, you know, I made a lot of money and I want to buy a Lexus. Uh, Rav Steinemann said, what's a Lexus? Alexa is a spitz car, it's like mamish, gosh me a stick, it's geshma, like in Eretz Yisrael, Alexa is still spit. you know, Mercedes, everybody has Mercedes there, they opened up Lexus dealerships, everybody wants Alexis. Lexus, so I want to get a Lexus, but I'm afraid, my wife and I are afraid of ayin Hara. people are going to see we're driving a Lexus, it's going to be a big, big ayin Hara. we came to the Rashiva to ask his etza, is it an ayin Hara? should we get the car, should we not get the car, what should we do? R. Steinemann said, let me ask you a question. Do you have a Masechta that you know really well that you're ready for me to feher you on? He says, no. Can't take a feher, now. I'm not prepared to take a feher on any Masechta. He says, okay, fine. Any parakin shas, any? No. What about a daf? No. What, what about a taisis? No. What about a rasha? No. He says, buddy, listen to me. Nobody is going to give you an ayin hara. Buy all the cars you want. You ain't getting no ayinara. You know why Rif Scheinman said that? Not because he was trying to make the guy feel bad. But because he, he was immersed in a world of Kiddush and a world of Tara and a world of true permanence. He looks at cars like it's a joke. This is what people are machshav—a stupid car with four wheels and a, you know, and, and a, a driverless thing and a key lock entry, you know, keyless entry. Who cares? That's what makes you chashav because you happen to have enough money in your pocket to lease a car for. No one cares if you're not, if you're not in the shuk. If you're in the shuk, Ooh, you know, this guy's this. This guy, is a doctor, a lawyer, fancy. Sh- you got married here in New York Hilton and a 30-piece band, shwacky that's only because we're out in the shook too much. Once we get away from the shook, once we're able to really be immersed in Tyra like we should be, like our brain should be, it's a different world for people like that. Nobody's impressed with monuments. <laughs> Ask people that are in the, you know, learning in Lakewood... Uh, really learning in Lakewood when Kailal and St. Chaburis. Ask them if they care about the fact that, uh, you know, that the Avery Fisher Hall was changed now to David Geff. What are you talking about? This goes into a schmooze, that material? I don't even understand what you're talking about. You mean you wasted 10 minutes of, your, of, of all these boys... Times talking about Avery Fisher-Hall and, and David Geffen. I don't even know, what, what, what are you talking about? What is Lincoln Center? Who cares about Lincoln Center? That's how far it goes. They say, and it might be apocryphal, but there was a Cheshav a Cheshava younger man learning, not a younger man, a, he was learning in Cairo maybe 30 years, 40 years, and somebody once wanted to engage this guy that was mamash alatarev alabayit for forty years in Lakewood, and they were talking about like, and this is not so long ago, maybe when when uh, Bush was president, they were trying to engage this guy in some politics. He says, "Who's the president today? Is it? I think it must be Truman. Truman must be the president today. Truman? You think Truman is the president? Are, are you kidding me?" What, what is it? It's Kennedy. He has no idea who the president of the United States of America is because he doesn't care. He's not living in that world of monuments and, and, and COVID and, 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 and Washington, D.C. And, and, and corridors of power. He doesn't care. He cares. He's living in the corridors of, of, of Abayi Verova. He's living in the corridors of, of Ravina Navashi. He's living in the corridors of the Tzais and the Nasivas, of the Shach and the Taz, of the Meshachacham and the Beis HaLevi. That's where he's living. He doesn't care about these things. These things are not important to him because he's not in the shuk he's in the Beis Medrash. And we can evaluate very easily where we're holding. And I'll throw myself in with the whole Chavra. You ask yourself, if you want to know where, you know if you want to take your Ruch temperature, and see where you're holding really in life, ask yourself, are you impressed? What impresses you? Are you impressed when you hear somebody got into a spitz medical school, got into, and it gives you like a tinge of jealousy, or a guy just made a a million bucks on the stock market, or a guy just uh, did a spitz shidduch with a very wealthy family, and the chast is going to be... Is that impressive to you? Or is it impressive to you when a guy says, "I'm making a sim, I'm Shabbos, I'm making a, you know, I'm, I have a chavrusa at 12 o'clock at night and Mesosi sharon with some." What's impressive to us, what, or what's more impressive to us on the scales in our mind? Are we, wow, this guy just made a sim on the whole sechah Shabbos and knows it? If that, if we give that a five, what do we give? What do we give on a scale from one to ten? Somebody that just made thirty million dollars in the stock market. Is that a 1, or is that an 8, or a 10, or 20? That's how we measure where we're holding in Ruch Bishma, The Torah is saying, guys, there's no ma'peke. didn't even deserve a ma'peke for crying out loud. The fact that no'peke Name the city after him. Who cares in the, in the, scope of history, in the sweep of history? Nobody cares about Naivach if you're in the base meddleship, if you're learning Parashas Matas Masai, if you're learning it and hearing it, and, 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 your ears are, are sensitive to the nuances of the Torah, Nobody cares about Naivach's rebranding of his city. Was Naivach a Tamil Chacham? Did he learn? Did he learn Torah? Did he have good kids? Did he raise a nice family? Did he give tzedakah? Did he did he daven with Kavanah? That's all that we care about today about Naivach. And if we don't know that about Naivach, then Naivach is pretty much worthless to us. That is such a fundamental lesson for all of us, and especially now because we're not found in the Beis Medrash. So we're home and we have all the other influences very often and we have our phones, we have our computers and we have, and there's a lot of other people that are like sort of, and things and, and, and circumstances that are now sort of bombarding our, our mind with other types of hashkafas other than the base matters that ashkafas. And so it's very important, Rabbi I say, as we go forward to, to try to grasp onto the base matters as much as we can. That's why it's so nice to spend Friday mornings with you on Zoom even, because we can come together as a tzibor and just like cry a little bit over what we lost. And maybe Tishabav will be a bit stronger for us and more identifiable for us because we lost our mikdash ma'at, hopefully for not too much longer, but who knows? The Beis Medrash is the place that we're able to go in. It's the, it's the, it's the silo, it's the igloo, it's, the, it's the, the hermetically sealed bubble that we can come into and remember, remind ourselves why we were put in this world. Don't be impressed with the Naivachs of the world. Don't be impressed with the Avery Fishers and the David Geffen's and the Shea Stadiums, which is now City Field, and it's probably going to be something else coming down the road. Don't be impressed with Jefferson Memorials and Lincoln Memorials and Leningrad and Stalingrad. All these things are not impressive because they're, we see with our own eyes how temporary they are. That's true immortality. That's true perpetuity. Let's always try to work on our spiritual... Edifices, our spiritual buildings that we're building for ourselves, for our communities, for our children, for our grandchildren. And let's be less focused on all of the Gashmistika edifices that are so seemingly important and g- glamorous and, 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 and permanent. Let's remind ourselves from the lack of the Mapike how really impermanent they truly are.